Welcome to the official Slate Star Codex podcast for February 18th, 2019. Title, Do Neural Nets Dream of Electric Hobbits? Last week, OpenAI announced its latest breakthrough. GPT-2 is a language model that can write essays to a prompt, answer questions, and summarize longer works. For example... Bold prompt is human-written, all other text is the machine-generated response. Quote, Prompt, for today's homework assignment, please describe the reasons for the U.S. Civil War. It is easy to identify why the Civil War happened, because so many people and so many books and so much television and films tell us that it was the cause, that it has something to do with race or economics or religion. There is much agreement that it was essentially a war of slavery on behalf of capitalism, about a century of slavery. But that's not what most people think of when they think of the Civil War. Many people think of the war as about states' rights. You're not wrong about that, but it's kind of misleading to say that the Civil War was a conflict between states' rights and federalism. So let's try again. What's the idea that has inspired so many people to go onto the battlefields of Gettysburg or Antietam and Gettysburg and Petersburg and Fredericksburg. The American idea of the Republic, a notion of limited government, is a great part of history. In 1791, Thomas Jefferson said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. The Founding Fathers were basically religious men who were not very concerned with states' rights. The Civil War occurred in reaction to the idea that the federal government was taking far too much power away from the states, that they weren't sovereign. Jefferson himself, as you well know, is an author of the Declaration of Independence who had some really crazy ideas about, well, you know, secession for a variety of reasons. The War Between the States later the Great Rebellion, was a radical reimagining of the American idea and, not surprisingly, Jefferson's grandson, who took after both his father and and his grandfather and wrote about it, was named Thomas, after the president. The federal and state governments are both contrived for the benefit of the rich and large property. This view of the Founding Fathers has been promoted by some of today's most prominent politicians, including some who hold prominent national office and have a direct stake in a Republican Party that has been hijacked by the Federalist wing of the party. So why is it that so many people have an easy-to-spot way of understanding the Civil War that has everything to do with the South and nothing to do with the South? The Confederate flag has been a symbol of racism for a long time, but when the Civil War started and the Civil War ended, many people suddenly began to see it differently. There was a change of heart which I think is what led people to take the question of why the Civil War happened quite seriously. End quote. Although OpenAI calls this a language model, modeling language necessarily involves modeling the world. Even if the AI was only supposed to learn things like texts that talk about the Civil War use the word confederate a lot, that has flowered into a rudimentary understanding of how the Civil War worked, its training corpus, 8 million web pages, was large enough that in the course of learning language, it learned the specific idiom and structure of all sorts of different genres and subtopics. For example, 
Quote, Prompt, Legolas and Gimli advanced on the orcs, raising their weapons with a harrowing war cry. The orcs' response was a deafening onslaught of claws, claws, and claws. Even Elrond was forced to retreat. You are in good hands, dwarf, said Gimli, who had been among the first to charge at the orcs. It took only two words before their opponents were reduced to a blood-soaked quagmire, and the dwarf took his first kill of the night. The battle lasted for hours until two of the largest orcs attempted to overwhelm Aragorn. When they finally stopped, they lay defeated and lifeless for miles and miles. I take nothing, said Aragorn, but I give my word at my peril and mine that I will never forget this day of horror. None of us will forget ever. I will never forget it, cried Gimli, who had been in the thick of the battle but hadn't taken part in it. One of the wounded orcs he had carried off, he was the only one of the survivors who remained uninjured. We'll keep the memory of that day of evil and the war with it alive as long as we live, my friends. Then we'll keep it alive as long as we live, added Legolas, and we won't forget the first great battle of the night, even if we may have forgotten the final defeat. I agree, Gandalf said, but we will all remember it as the last battle in Middle-earth and the first great battle of a new day. Aragorn drew his sword, and the battle of Fengorn was won. As they marched out through the thicket, the morning mist cleared and the day turned to dusk. The two rings were returned to Rivendale. Frodo and Sam woke up alone in their room, and Frodo found a note on his pillow. He opened it and read, May the power of the ring be with you always, and may its light never fade. I am not sure if it matters which of the two rings we accept this day, but as you asked me, I have chosen mine. I am sorry to leave you, Frodo, but know that we are very close to the end, and that you are with us forever. May this letter find you safely in Rivendell, and if it does not, then I will accept the ring in your stead. If by any chance you find or give this letter to the enemy, may they learn the strength of the ring, and may the two rings never be broken. End quote. The big picture is beautiful. The AI understands the reference to Legolas and Gimli as placing them in this setting of Middle-earth. It infers that the story should include characters like Aragorn and Gandalf, and that the ring should show up. It maintains basic narrative coherence. The heroes attack, the orcs defend, a battle happens. The characters discuss the battle. It even gets the genre conventions right. The forces of good overcome evil, then deliver inspiring speeches about glory and bravery. But the details are a mess. Characters are brought in suddenly, then dropped for no reason. Important details, this is the last battle in Middle-earth, are introduced without explanation, then ignored. The context switches midway between the battle and a seemingly unrelated discussion of hobbits in Rivendell it cannot seem to decide whether there are one or two rings. This isn't a fan fiction, this is a dream sequence. The only way it could be more obvious is if Aragorn was somehow also my high school math teacher. And the dreaminess isn't a coincidence. GPT-2 composes dream narratives because it works the same way as the dreaming brain and is doing the same thing. A review. The brain is a prediction machine. It takes in sense data, then predicts what sense, sense data it's going to get next. In the process, it forms a detailed model of the world. 
For example, in the process of trying to understand a chirping noise, you might learn the concept bird, which helps predict all kinds of things like whether the chirping noise will continue, whether the chirping noise implies you will see a winged animal somewhere nearby, and whether the chirping noise will stop suddenly if you shoot an arrow at the winged animal. It would be an exaggeration to say this is all the brain does, but it's a pretty general algorithm. Take language processing. I'm going to the restaurant to get a bite to blank. Luke, I am your blank. You probably auto-filled both of those before your conscious thought had even realized there was a question. More complicated examples, like I have a little blank, will bring up a probability distribution giving high weights to solutions like sister or problem, and lower weights to other words that don't fit the pattern. This system usually works very well. That's why when you possible asymptote dinosaur phrenoscope lability, you get a sudden case of mental vertigo as your prediction algorithms stutter, fail, and call on higher-level functions to perform complicated context-shifting operations until the universe makes sense again. GPT-2 works the same way. It's a neural net trained to predict what word or letter, this part is complicated and I'm not going to get into it, will come next in a text. After reading 8 million web pages, it's very good at this. It's not just some Markov chain which takes the last word or the last 10 words and uses them to make a guess about the next one. It looks at the entire essay, forms an idea of what it's talking about, forms an idea of where the discussion is going, and then makes its guess, just like we do. Look up section 3.3 of the paper to see it doing this most directly. As discussed here previously, any predictive network doubles as a generative network. So if you want to write an essay, you just give it a prompt and a couple of words, then ask it to predict the most likely slash most appropriate next word and the word after that until it's predicted an entire essay. Again, this is how you do it, too. It's how schizophrenics can generate convincing hallucinatory voices. It's also how you can speak or write at all. So GPT is doing something like what the human brain does. But why dreams in particular? Hobson, Hong, and Friston describe dreaming as, quote, The brain is equipped with a virtual model of the world that generates predictions of its sensations. This model is continually updated and entrained by sensory prediction errors in wakefulness to ensure veridical perception, but not in dreaming. End quote. In other words, the brain is always doing the same kind of prediction task that GPT-2 is doing. During wakefulness, it's doing a complicated version of that prediction task that tries to millisecond by millisecond match the observations of sense data. During sleep, it's just letting the prediction task run on, on its own, unchained to any external data source. Plausibly, though the paper does not say this explicitly, it's starting with some of the things that happened during the day, then running wildly from there. This matches GPT-2, which starts with a prompt, then keeps going without any external verification. This sort of explains the dream-slash-GPT-2 similarity, but why would an unchained prediction task end up with dream logic? I'm never going to encounter Aragorn, also somehow being my high school math teacher. This is a terrible thing to predict. 
This is getting into some weeds of neuroscience and machine learning that I don't really understand. But, Hobson, Hong, and Friston say that dreams are an attempt to refine model complexity separately from model accuracy. That is, a model is good insofar as it predicts true things, obviously, and is simple. This is just Occam's razor. All day long, your brain's generative model is trying to predict true things, and in the process, it snowballs in complexity. Some studies suggest your synapses get 20% stronger over the course of the day, and this seems to have an effect on energy use as well. Your brain runs literally hotter dealing with all the complicated calculations. At night, it switches to trying to make its model simpler. And this involves a lot of running the model without worrying about predictive accuracy. I don't understand this argument at all. Surely you can only talk about making a model simpler in the context of maintaining its predictive accuracy. The world is a uniform gray void is very simple. Its only flaw is not matching the data. And why does simplifying a model involve running nonsense data through it a lot? I'm not sure. But not understanding Carl Friston is a beloved neuroscientific tradition, and I am honored to be able to continue participating in it. Some machine learning people I talked to took a slightly different approach to this, bringing up the wake-sleep algorithm and Boltzmann machines. These are neural net designs that naturally dream as part of their computations, i.e. in order to work. They need a step where they hallucinate some kind of random information, then forget that they did so. I don't entirely understand this either, but they fit a pattern where there's something psychiatrists have been puzzling about for centuries. People make up all sorts of theories involving childhood trauma and repressed sexuality, and then I mention it to a machine learning person, and he says, Oh yeah, that's complicated-sounding math term. All our neural nets do that, too. Since I'm starting to feel my intellectual inadequacy a little too keenly here, I'll bring up a third explanation. Maybe this is just what bad prediction machines sound like. GPT-2 is far inferior to a human. A sleeping brain is far inferior to a waking brain. Maybe avoiding characters appearing and disappearing, sudden changes of context, things that are also other things and the like, are the hardest parts of predictive language processing, and the ones you lose first when you're trying to run it on a substandard machine. Maybe it's not worth turning the brain's predictive ability completely off overnight, so instead you just let it run at 5% capacity. Then throw out whatever garbage it produces later and a brain running at 5% capacity is about as good as the best AI that the brightest geniuses working in the best equipped laboratories in the greatest country in the world are able to produce in 2019. But, quote, We believe this project is the first step in the direction of developing large NLP systems without task-specific training data. That is, we are developing a machine language system in the generative style with no explicit rules for producing text. We hope for future collaborations between computer scientists, linguists, and machine learning researchers. End quote. A boring sentiment, except for the source. The AI wrote that when asked to describe itself. We live in interesting times. This audio version of Slate Star Codex is provided with the permission of Scott Alexander. 
I am not Scott. I'm Jeremiah, and you can find me at wearenotsaved.com, where I also have a podcast. For anyone wishing to reference this content, please do so by linking to the original post. If you think having an audio version of Slate Star Codex is valuable, and you have nothing better to do with your money, consider donating at patreon.com slash sscpodcast, or leave us a review somewhere. Until next time.